Hey guys, welcome back to another Bite of D&D podcast. I am your host, Zach, and across from me is my co-host, Micah. And we are here to add flavor to your games and campaigns. Today, we're going to be talking about the Unearthed Arcana class, the Artificer. Micah, talk to us a little bit about uh, what is an Artificer, um, and then maybe we can kind of fill in some gaps of where it came from and the back history behind it. So these guys are kind of your arcane tinkerers. They're magical practitioners who focus on creating magical items. They feel like this is a longer lasting, more impactful practice on the world, less temporary than spells. So instead of delving into book knowledge when it comes to casting a wider array of spells, they focus on creating new and useful magical devices that will have a longer lasting impact. And as they become a little bit more adept, they begin to specialize as either alchemists or gunsmiths. Yeah, think of them as an expanded class from the rock gnome in that they're rock gnome particulars and actually in earlier settings the artificer was a prestige class specifically for gnome arcane spellcasters so there is a tie there to some respects um artificers have been around to some extent since second edition where they were like a specialty class tacked on to the thaumaturgy wizard school and they've seen they've seen resurgence in third edition in fourth edition and now in the Unearthed Arcana in 5th, where they haven't quite made it all the way up to an actual approved class, but I think that the flavor is unique enough to where there's still a lot of interest around this class. Um, people still, if you get online and you look at forums or whatnot, you'll see that there's a lot of players that say, hey, have you tried this? Is it worthwhile? What's, what's great about it? What's not so great about it? And they're trying to figure out how to implement th- this into a game. And so that's where we're going to kind of dive in is kind of give you an overview of the class and some ideas maybe of how you could implement this into your campaign world. Yeah. And I want to start off with maybe some of the cons, maybe some of the drawbacks, uh, because I do overall really like them and I want to end on a little bit more of a positive note. So I'm going to start out with maybe some of the things I'm not thrilled with. Yeah. And then we can go over into what I really do like about them. And a couple of these things are going to be on both sides. The biggest one of which is they get a robot friend. At 6th level, these guys are able to make a mechanical servant. It's a CR2 beast. It's because it's a construct. It's immune to a bunch of stuff. You can rebuild it if it gets destroyed and you have access to the body. A lot of cool stuff there. A lot of cool flavors available in that. You can reskin the stats from any beast and you can make it whatever you want. Just needs to use the beast block in the book. The downside of this particular guy is doesn't feel particularly fleshed out and it feels a little bit out of place with some of the rest of the abilities these guys get i would like to say that they'll probably hopefully fingers crossed turn this into its own archetype because i think that would make it a lot better because right now it's a nice power spike when you hit level six but the the beast does not scale with you at all and it it pretty quickly falls out and um, think about how Ranger divides up Beastmaster and Hunter and lets, and I know it failed in in its initial go-to, but the idea was if you have this other thing that you're running with, then that the focus needs to be on that thing and your relationship with it and, and, and your abilities and whatnot need to be kind of catering more towards that. 
where again, the artificer, it still has a creature that has that same, fills that same role, I guess, but it's almost an afterthought and, and very few of your abilities actually work in harmony with this. Yeah, in fact, I would argue that most of your abilities actually work kind of against it because yeah. this thing gets essentially opportunity attacks if it anything within five feet of you attacks you, which is kind of a nice little backup. But really all of the abilities that artificers get are going to be ranged attacks, which means you're usually going to want to be hiding somewhere in the back anyway. Yeah. Just feels like there's a lot of counterplay within this particular thing. Really cool ability. I do like the feel of it. I've played an artificer in, in some of our games. It does feel cool. I like the flavor of it, but I do think it kind of needs its own archetype, and I think it needs to have more balancing done to, to wind up being yep. useful. Yep. As a magical practitioner, it is only a one-third caster, which I understand why... They wanted to limit that a little bit just because you're able to make magical items. Um, one of the Artificer's abilities allows them to imbue items with their spells that their friends or other people can activate later on. Yeah. So you don't want them to have access to all the best stuff and all of these cool abilities. But it means that you're pretty limited in your spell selection that you get with an oh, artificer. So small, yeah. Plus, you don't even access your third level spell slots until you hit level 13, which is when you start getting into things like fly and haste, stuff that other people in your party could have as soon as level 5. Yeah. So for someone that feels like they should be handing out buffs and stuff to their party, it feels like they really just take too long to move into that role and you're along with being a third level caster you've got pretty few spell slots overall now there's there's a couple of different archetypes within the artificer class there's the alchemist and the gunsmith which they're trying to branch off and give you a couple different flavor options but it seems like i mean you can go into a little bit more but it seems like it's just yet another thing that's that's utility and gives you another option but doesn't really have the focus dedicated to it to make it a very powerful uh, addition. Yeah, uh, utility is one thing I did like about these guys. They do get several different options that you can, for the most part, use kind of at will, which is really cool. But that's also part of the reason, again, why they limit them on spells and stuff, because they don't want to give them too much power. And I think ultimately it hurts more than it helps. I'd like to see maybe them bumped up to maybe a half caster instead of a third caster, yeah. or maybe just expand. If, if if they stay a third caster, maybe just give them a few more spells to help out, because right now their list is relatively small. Yeah. So that's another kind of drawback, just something to look at. The other thing, speaking of the two archetypes, is their abilities for the alchemist, their damaging abilities, are saves which normally is fine but these are saved for nothing so if they make their deck save you don't do half damage you do no damage yeah. so anytime you're against something that is quick you're gonna feel a little bit more useless the other issue i have with that isn't so much that you can miss or do no damage i mean if you roll an attack roll and you miss you're gonna do no damage but at least then, fate is kind of in your hands yeah. a little bit more. Mechanically, it doesn't really change a whole lot, but it feels... It, not that it feels good to miss an attack, but it feels a lot better when it feels like 
you missed the you attack. Miss it, yeah. Like it, that was on you. You you had a chance to hit and you just happened to miss. As opposed to, I throw this and the DM rolls a save behind the screen for a monster that you are not attached to, and it just feels less like you're doing something and more like you're hoping they fail at doing something. Yes. Yes. Yep. So I do. I just don't like the way that feels. But beyond that, the actual power and stuff you can get from that is pretty decent. I just don't like the way the the attacks feel as you you throw them out. And when you talk about when you go onto the other side and you go into Gunsmith, I think that part of the issue there is that this is the one of the first times that you see guns at all being discussed in Fifth Edition, and it's like they're trying, in my mind at least, it's like they're trying to give you the rules for the gun inside the class and also give the, make it seem like only artificers can use guns in the sense because it's never been brought up before. And so what it ends up feeling like is that you're getting this thing that's described as special for you, but really is just a reflavor of doing damage. And it doesn't really add a whole lot to your to make you unique, other than it's a gun instead of a bow or whatever, right? The amount of dice you get honestly reminds me kind of like the rogues, but it's not determined by having the sneak attack criteria. You just get it as part of the attack. The downside of that is to use this weapon, you must use a bonus action to reload, which means if you want to fire... You, you never get a bonus action, yeah. and it doesn't actually have the loading property, which means you can't really get around that by taking crossbow expert. In my games, I would probably allow crossbow expert to allow them to ignore losing bonus actions for all eternity, because that seems like a pretty big drawback for something that isn't really adding any more power than I would say any other class really has in their attacks. I mean, the biggest advantage of the attack is it uses... Thunder damage, which is cool. It's a, a damage type that most things don't have really a resistance to, so it's a pretty good damage type and does have a good range at 150 feet. Our groups typically play Theater of the Mind, where that's going to be less useful. And so I, I would probably allow Crossbow Expert to allow them to ignore reloading because they're foregoing an ability score increase in order to be able to actually use their bonus actions. Whereas like a Rogue with Sneak Attack, a pretty comparable amount of die being rolled there they get sneak attack and they can still bonus action to use a second attack to do any of their cunning actions and i would be concerned just in general with the gunsmith class if it, if as a dm if, if a player came up to me because it's the same fear that i would have with when players come up and they're like oh i want to be an archer like it sounds cool but really what you end up doing turn after turn after turn is saying I shoot it, I roll dice, I hit or miss, okay, move on. Like, and I know that their guns at higher level can do a few different things, but at range, that's what it amounts to, is just you're doing the same thing turn after turn with little variety. And my concern is always with that. And not that I don't like the gunsmith as a class idea, but how this is built, I'm concerned it becomes that, where combat for you is the least exciting thing Unless in, in special circumstances where you where you end up having to be put outside your box uh, of of your typical utility. Well, and those additional things you get with the gun are the other thing I kind of want to address on things I'm not thrilled with. Yeah. Uh, they suffer from the same problems I have with the alchemist, where it's a save for nothing. 
so that you say, all right, I'm using this ability. And it's got some pretty decent effects. But again, if the, the enemy saves, nothing happens and you feel like you wasted your turn. Again, I wish that was a little bit more in your control. The other thing I kind of have a problem with is that the alchemist can focus purely on intelligence if they want to. All the saves for both archetypes are intelligence-based saves. And so to use your gun, uh, dex would be your primary attribute. It's a ranged weapon. Whereas for the saves on your other abilities with it, you need intelligence. And while intelligence is, you would think, important to being a caster-type class, especially someone who uh, works with arcane objects and stuff uh, beyond using it for your arcana skill it's not used for a ton of saves it's not a real premium stat and uh, artificer spells for the most part are not either spell save focused or attack focused they're they're buffs and things of that nature that don't require a save so really the things you need more are concentration and decks if you're running gunsmith but if you want to use your abilities you need to have a decent intelligence in order to make those saves and it just makes your ability score splits just a little bit more difficult and when it's saved for nothing it makes it even more important to have a decent intelligence so they're less likely to uh succeed in that and that just makes it just a little bit more frustrating to me again it takes the the fate out of your hands and puts it on puts it on the DM rolling behind a screen. Yep. Uh, okay, well, is that all the cons that we have? Uh, do you want to get into this? I think that's really just my main gripes. Uh, and like I said, I do think there's a bunch of cool stuff with this class, so we'll we'll dive into that and we'll we'll get past the the gripes here. All right, so what are what are your highlights? I, I think the biggest ones, for sure, is a lot of world-building potential for a DM. To have these in your game, I definitely think, is going to have a huge impact on the setting and the world. So you do need to consider that before you allow these guys into the game. It's kind of like when we talked about Warforged and how introducing world, Warforged into your campaign setting really affects your world as a whole. And no surprise, these both come from Eberron. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, definitely, if you if you have Artificer... You're seeing that there are firearms, even if limited, that right out the gate, and then everything else along with it. Well, and it also means magic items are probably going to be much more prevalent in your world. It's going to be harder to have a low magic setting if you've got artificers in there who can just create magical items. So, But story hooks, these guys are often part of guilds with guilds and invention, kind of the invention race here. You're going to have rivals, and then just my magic item invention in general. I think there's a lot of cool potential story hooks and world building things that you can do with these guys just by having them introduced. The other cool thing is along with they make magical items and as part of their class every so many levels you get your own personal item that you've been working on that whole time. So it's kind of implied that the whole time you're leveling up that's something you're going to be working on in your downtime and stuff is these different items and you get to choose one. There's a list, right? Yeah, there's a list that you can choose from at these different levels. I would have almost liked and I don't know how how it could have worked out. I think maybe there would have had to be in a large table or something but I kind of like this should be one of the most exciting things about the classes because you get to make a magic item for free basically which is which is really cool and I think it, it gets people excited when they're looking at the class oh I get to make a magic item that's great I think the downside would be that when you start to look at them and I, I, I we're in pros and I think overall this is a pro but I would have liked rather that maybe 
you can build an item based on rarity or something as opposed to this specific list because that would have let you say, okay, well, I want to build an artificer that is a basically a tank of a, of a creature and he's all my builds, all my item creations are going to be armor slots, protection slots. I'm going to just beef him out. And that could be a really different artificer than one that's like, I'm going to build the perfect scout. And he's going to be, you know... He's going to have like a glider mantle and other things to move around. As it is, I think that you can get some of that with the items. And and that's what I think redeems it. But, But if they would have just allowed for a wide variety, a huge variety, then I think that's where this class could have been like, okay, look, you can build anything with this by being able to handpick your items, which is something that's been a player's dream from from day one to some extent. And I, I do agree with that, and that kind of really kind of ties in with one of their other abilities, is as these guys level up, they can attune to up to twice the amount of items as anyone else. Yeah. Uh, so most people only get three attunement slots. These guys can get up to six by level 20. I believe at level five, they can get a fourth. At 15, they get a fifth. And level 20, you get a sixth slot. Plus for every attuned item you have, you get plus one to all of your saves, which, which is really one of the better capstone abilities, I would say, in the game. It's, it's shockingly beneficial and it comes almost out of left field but uh, I, I like it and i mean like you said like this this class needs those wow moments i think still as far as potency and i think that is definitely one of them where you're talking about a plus six to all saves uh, in addition to everything else that you've built up good luck losing concentration good yeah. luck like ever failing a, a deck save so stuff like that uh, i think that's really cool uh, again it just kind of goes in with they're familiar with magic items, how they're used, and how they can benefit them, um, which is really cool. The other neat thing these can do, and I kind of hinted at it when we were talking about the cons here, is they can hand out buffs to teammates. So if they spend a minute casting a spell instead of a normal action, they can imbue that into an item and then hand it off to a teammate to be activated later. Uh, it go, still goes off of your spell casting ability. Like if the Barbarian wants to use something, they still can. It's not affected by their intelligence score or anything like that. So you can hand them a haste spell when you finally get it at level <laughs> 13. Uh, and then when they're ready to go, they can just activate that. And it doesn't... I don't recall there being any stipulation the items you can put it in. So you can imbue it into their weapon, and while they're holding it, they can just activate that yeah, and be ready to go. Living. I think that's kind of the statement. Yep. The other thing I like is again, they get that robot friend. You get your mechanical servant. It is a, it is a really fun thing to have. I had a triceratops, triceratops butler named Cogsworth and I was very sad when he got blown up by these clockwork automaton things we were fighting. But I I was planning to bring him back as Mr. Copperbottom later on, uh, Triceratops 2.0. But they do die, unfortunately, pretty easy because there's no scaling on there. But they feel really fun to play with. Yeah, and I think I think if you look at them as like a battle steed, right? If you look at them as kind of like that war horse, as in like it doesn't scale with you, but it, it feels right. Like, like a war horse doesn't scale with a paladin or with a cavalier. Like, it just is all... But it's always there, and it's always this cool flavor. Like, I think it still can be that. Um, it's just that you are going to think more heavily about putting that creature at risk once you hit those higher levels, 
as opposed to first level where you're using your warhorse to do just as much damage as you are by writing down people or whatever. Like I think it, at some point it becomes, okay, when you're fighting a dragon, a horse never is going to be able to have that much utility. And I, I would have to play this out and test it. I think if I were to change anything about this in the current state of artificers, because I do think they're on, a little bit on the weak side, I think they're really cool. I think if I were to, and I think part of that's just how the mechanical servants are balanced within everything else. I think if I were to change anything right now just to give it a shot, because I like the feel of the mechanical servant, I might allow it to level up in a similar way that druids do, mm-hmm. where it's one-third rounded down of your max level that you can create because that puts in line with the CR2 you get at level 6 allows it to stay a little bit more relevant as you go that (laughs) might push it to the strong side so you might need to limit that a little bit maybe uh, a quarter a quarter yeah as opposed to a third that's the thing though is that it makes sense for this thing to be modified and leveled up whereas a druid it's a little bit harder i mean you can say well i mean i just swap out animals or whatever but this feels more right to have it scalable well because just like your magic items you're constantly tinkering with it making improvements oh you didn't perform well in that last battle here are some of the weaknesses you have let me kind of shore those up a little bit well and you can do this if you want even within the rule setting like Yes, this is how the class works, but give, you know, for an artificer who's playing well within your game, give them a boon. Say, you know, in this downtime, you guys just finished this huge adventure where you were a key part of it. In this downtime between this and the next adventure, you can modify your creature to give it up to a CR4. Like, that would be something exciting, and I think it still fits within the rule set. Obviously, you're making a more powerful character, but players get boons all the time that, that make them more powerful, and you can, you can as the DM, adjust it to that. Yep. Um, and then the final thing, uh, we again, we hinted on this before, but they do have pretty good utility. I feel like especially the Alchemist, they get a smoke stick. It can block uh, Devil Sight, things like that, because it's not darkness. It's more like a, the actual fog spell. They get to use that once per minute, and the smoke stick lasts, I believe, a minute. So essentially, you can always have one active if you need it to. It makes for some great escapes. Do the little ninja thing where you throw down a puff of smoke and you guys hightail it out of there. Right. They can hand out healing potions and that is based on the people who drinks it long rest so you can hand one out to each member of your party and they just can't drink one again until they have a long rest but you you have no limit on how many you can pull out just on how many you can drink Hmm. per per sleep cycle so that's kind of cool that scales up with them and ultimately you can wind up getting all of these options but one so you'll have to give one up over the course of your alchemist career. The other is a slightly better version of Longstrider for a lesser duration. So you can give someone 20 extra feet of movement for a minute. And then the final option, I believe, is their Thunderstone, which does no damage, but you throw it out. A five-foot radius, so 10-foot bubble. You can knock things prone and throw them back 10 feet if they fail their save, which potentially could give the rest of your party advantage. Yeah. So I think the Artificers definitely have some cool utility in the alchemist side slightly less in the gunsmith but you get some uh, an option for line attack you get an option for an aoe and you get an option for a cone uh blast back similar to oh shatter is it shatter uh what thunder 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 wave thunder wave there we go that's what i'm thinking of so you get some decent options there that definitely give you a few tactical things you can do without expending any 
any additional resources. Well, as we're wrapping this up, you have a couple quest hooks that we can pitch to people that maybe helps get these artificers into their games? So I think one thing you definitely want to do is definitely bring some guilds in if you're going to have artificers in your game. So you've got a guild that's hired you to track down some rare ingredients they need for their research. And while you're looking for that, a rival guild approaches you, offering you access to their inventory and some different items in exchange for sabotaging the work of the original group that hired you kind of put your group in a little bit of a moral dilemma everyone's going to be tempted by sweet sweet magical items but at the same time are they going to really stab the other friends they made in the back and do you really want to start making enemies with these different guilds that specialize in making these magical items and that that kind of makes me think of another thing you talked earlier about you know adjusting bringing up the cr of your creature to kind of ride along with you as an idea to help this class along an idea that i've had to help artificers within my games is that i like the idea of invention and uh, experimentation in the same way that wizards enjoy that, I think that artificers enjoy that. And in the same way, I think that there could be a really cool element for spell scrolls, but instead they're more like blueprints. Okay. You find, you know, you find a tube, you open it up, and there's a blueprint for, let's say, on the more basic end, like a plus two greatsword. And with that blueprint, it comes with a components list, and you, if you find all those things, then you can create a plus two greatsword. And then, obviously, that's a one-time use thing, and yada, yada, yada just like a scroll, but it would allow artificers, one of the big things that I think would help them is if they can, and I think it makes sense within their classes, if they can build and craft their magic items specifically to what they are. And every all six of those items that they can attune to by the end of it are exactly what they want them to be would really help this class along. And by saying, okay, well, you can go buy blueprints and then you have to go get the components and all that. That's extra work on the DMs part, but what it can do is make a really rationally it makes sense within the world for your artificers to have this ability to create things specifically that they want well it's no different than you sprinkling in some magic items to the loot tables for certain characters anything like that it just feels a little bit better because they get to make it themselves and they feel like they're more involved in that process and it does take some effort on their part Um, and you can make it cost gold too i mean i i am always desperate for ways to make money sinks in 5th edition because you end up uh, compiling all this gold and there's not a whole lot of ways to spend it and by saying hey you can buy the the blueprint for this awesome helm of inspiration for 12,000 gold plus then you're going to have to go get the components well right there you just they may really want it it may be the perfect thing for their character and that's all great and fine as long as they're willing to drop you know 80% of their party's resources into it I like that. There's definitely some things you can tinker around with on these guys. I'm sorry. I had to (laughs) drop that in there. But uh, no, I think that's pretty much all I've got to throw in on these guys. Again, I do really like them overall. I do really like the feel of them. I just feel like they need a little bit of work that I think you can experiment around with pretty easily in your own games to make them feel a little bit better than how they are right now. This is definitely one of our longer episodes, and I think that what you can gauge by that is that there is a lot to this class as it is right now. There's a lot to go over. There's a lot to think about. There's a lot of new stuff. So, but I think that's what can make it exciting. Yep, for sure. Well, I think that's it for us here, guys. Let us know what you think, and we will see you next time. Later. Later.